0: I'm Brendan McCormack and welcome back to another episode of the Perth FitFam podcast. And on episode number 43, we catch up with handstand and movement specialist Harry Williams. In a really entertaining story, we, we hear about how we got into handstands. We actually start the podcast off with him talking about smoking weed. And he gives us a range of different highly entertaining and bizarre stories. And I would say it's probably one of the funniest podcasts we've ever launched to date. The Perfect Fan Podcast is brought to you by True Protein. True is unafraid to cut through the noise of an oversaturated market and break the mold to deliver authentic, all-natural products with genuine health benefits and none of the fake stuff. True have bucked the trend. Pren? <laughs> pren? trend for expensive, overhyped, bad-tasting protein powders and supplements packed with false promises to reinvent the marketplace and create a 100% natural, delicious, quality protein with no gimmicks, nothing artificial, and a completely transparent ingredient list. You can pick up True Protein online at trueprotein.com.au using the code PERTHFITFAM10 for an exclusive Perth FitFam discount. Or if you are local and from WA, you can pick up True Protein from about 120 different retailers around the state. And if you want to find one close to you, feel free to shoot us in a message and we'll point you in the right direction. That's trueprotein.com.au. And last but not least, if you love Perfect Fam and what we do, and you want more Perfect Fam, then you can become a supporter by jumping on Facebook. Check out the Perfect Fam page, click that Become a Supporter button, and I think for about seven ninety seven a month, you'll gain access to exclusive live videos, exclusive content, and you will be helping support the channel. But that is it. Time for episode forty three with Harry Williams.
1: Expensive thing I've ever
0: worn. <laughs> <laughs> mate you should that hair of yours is your brand i reckon like insure that that's definitely the most expensive thing that you've ever worn oh hold on so before we kick this off if my tone comes, come oh. that's bad <laughs> you hey. can lift it in it yeah i can lift it i i'm too scared to actually pull it off oh and it's kind of gross yeah, yeah. Nah, I'm too scared. I can go through 24 hours and 100Ks of pain, but I just can't rip off that toenail. <laughs> this one came off doing BJJ, yeah. and I'm kind of waiting for this to happen. So, I'm doing BJJ on Thursday. So, <laughs> yeah, I might not tape it up, just like so it comes off mid-arm bar or something, and I'll be like, worth it, worth yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, like,
1: like, like with the kids tying the tooth on the fucking door and slamming, and just like get, get it over and done with. like. Oh
0: yeah, Maybe we have a project for tonight. <laughs> Shell can rip off my... My dirty endurance toenail rid me of this disease. Um, yeah, no, no, it's crazy. It's a fascinating it's a fascinating world um, because, like I said, I come from like this fitness sort of background where, you know, you sweat a lot, there's either a race or there's like, you know, um, even bodybuilding, there's competition. But then when I look at movement, it's hard for me to pinpoint what it actually is because it's not... A traditional fitness niche, like, there's no competitions or anything, is there? No, nah. and it reminds me even skateboarding has competitions. because um, I was like, it's more like a skating community where people hang out and they just yeah. do their thing. But then on the flip side, skateboarding has competitions and progressions, or this obviously has progressions as far as skill, but I mean like career path progressions. Um,
1: so it's probably more like yoga. Um, I I quite like the skateboarding one because well that's that's what I used to do for years and years. <laughs> but um, you know with, with skateboarding it's only a very specific amount of the culture that's involved in the uh, in the competition scene. Mm. Uh, the core skateboarding crowd, uh, like the, the bigger names, are always involved in the competition scenes because that's that's the way it is. That's the ones that get televised. That's the things that get sponsored by ESPN and fucking. <laughs> X Games and all that. Yeah. But if you're if you, if you if you're in the city, you see a bunch of kids skateboarding up and down the street, like proper skateboarders, not not on a longboard or a mini board, <laughs> and you ask them who their favorite skateboarder is or who influences, they'll never name someone that goes to the X Games or anything like really? that. Really? So uh, I, I like that analogy of the skateboarding. Um, and uh, I think that's kind of why I got so itchy for it because it, it's similar in the way that there isn't really uh, a... To some extent, there's not much of a right and wrong involved. There's Mm. my way of doing things. There's your way of doing things. It might look slightly different, but at the end of the day, it's the same product. Yeah. Um, And it is a progressional thing in the way that like in skateboarding, I'm going to speak basically in a different language right now, but you learn to kickflip, then you learn to crooked grind, then you learn to kickflip, crooked grind, and then you have a whole new product there. Which is similar
0: to handstands, like seeing what you guys do. Hold on, before we keep on going, cool, I'm recording, I was freaking out. Yeah, 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 (laughs) I've started, that's awesome. So, I better introduce you, it's episode 43. 43, Harry Williams... Um, I like to think of him as the Caucasian Snoop Dogg. So, for those yeah, who, yeah. <laughs> who are
1: listening to the audio, not the video. I should have got my uh, hair done in braids for this. <laughs> yeah, you had dreads, I think, before when I first braids. met you, didn't you? Braids. Yeah. It was braids? Yeah. Just got back from Barley and. Got, got to
0: live up to the name, mate. Like <laughs> okay, that's it. Um, so for those who haven't seen him on Instagram yet, um, he's someone who's pretty commonly featured on PerFit Fam. Um, he's definitely grown a lot since when I first met him, which would have been about four years ago. Um, so yeah, man, I just like you. You're actually one of the most requested. People that we've had on, everyone's oh, like, right on. "Yeah, when are you going to get someone from Calisthetics, or when are you going to get Harry on?" And they're right. We've had some ninjas, but we've never had anyone specifically from your world. And I think that you're probably the man to speak to. solid Ford, yeah, having ho- a chat. Hopefully,
1: I can represent the community not terribly. <laughs> I, th- I think
0: that you'll do a good job. So let's start from the start. So we met probably about four years ago when Movement Co opened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you just started out then. So you said that you skateboard, but tell us about your journey, like. Uh, cuz you didn't come from like a traditional fitness background no, or anything beforehand no, not did at you all.
1: um so like flashback 6 years ago I, I, I couldn't touch my toes i didn't do any handstands i i, I didn't do anything but like smoke weed and skateboard like <laughs> and and that's how i spent from my teenage years all the way up until about yeah 25 yeah i got a question um, i have got to ask yeah, from yeah. the start do you still smoke weed now uh, i know it's 2019 and it's all right to say that you do but i don't okay it's uh it's something that I've recently let go. I do miss it, if I'm being completely honest. Yeah, like, I, I don't drink anymore either. Uh, yeah, I, I don't miss drinking whatsoever. Yes, um, but bun in the herb. That's. It, uh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I just the reason why I asked. I actually asked Shelley in the car. I'm like, do you reckon I already smoke weed? Because I think before when we first met, you could tell st-
1: I was probably stoned when we first met. <laughs> I can almost
0: guarantee that you possibly were. And you used to rock up. It was like early in the mornings, and I'm like. Yeah, that <laughs> co. And I'm like, I swear he's baked. But, like, I would assume that's almost part of the culture. with Like, BJJ, it's quite part of the culture where a lot of guys will um, get baked and then roll. Um, and I'm assuming that it's
1: probably part of the culture within the movement scene a little bit, but I could be wrong. Yeah, not so much part of the movement scene. I think in a... I think in Europe it might be a bit of a bigger part there, but it's still not that big of the thing. Like, uh, it, it's more so the healthy living life in the okay. movement scene. Yeah, most people eat very fucking clean and sleep plenty of hours, and you know, the, <laughs> the opposite of the skateboarding culture where yeah you're celebrated if you've got a beer in one hand and a spliff hanging out the side of your <laughs> mouth while you're doing <laughs> tricks. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah,
0: I find that I find that really interesting. I want to go into the nutrition and stuff later, so. You started, you skated, yep. you smoked weed, yeah, and then what? What happened? Like, how did you get it? How, what was your pro- progress? So,
1: like, uh, I, I was always pretty good at skateboarding, without boasting. that... um, it is uh, what it is. That's cool. Yeah, I, uh, I, I was never professional level. Okay, wanted to be, but never was. But I was always better than the average person. So I, I traveled quite a bit with it. Uh, mm-hmm. I was living in, I was living in France at the time in mm-hmm. Lyon, and um uh, competition se- the competition season had just finished, so like summer was going in towards winter. Mm-hmm. it was starting to snow and shit. I was living on my friend's kitchen floor at the time, <laughs> uh staying up till four a m just smoking way too much hash <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then um, I got a message from my sister yeah and so she was she left school early on mm. um she she's quite chronically dyslexic okay and but like she's not a dull girl by any chance but like when at school it was kind of bumming her out a little bit because she just wasn't getting the grades that she was trying to get because there just was no program for it at the time yeah so she left school quite early on about 16 15 and started saving up and decided she wanted to be a yoga teacher yeah so she had paid for her yoga tuition in india as well as her flights mm-hmm. went to get her visa and they knocked her back because she was a 17-year-old Western girl trying to go to India by herself. Okay. And there was no way they were going to let her.
0: Yeah, it'd so probably be a pretty dangerous situation, hey? Um, I'm not sure I've never been yeah, to India. Yeah,
1: the, the the culture there with women by themselves in India, it's it's pretty fucking hectic. Like. Yes, yep. And, um, either way, the Indian government wasn't going to give her a visa. My mom and pa couldn't go with her. She had no friends old enough to be her guardian. And she just said, look, I've, I've paid all this money. I know you're not up to much, like... I will pay for you to come to India with me and do this yoga thing. Yep. Yeah. I Like I was living on a kitchen fucking floor, <laughs> smoking hash and skateboarding. And I was like, yeah, f- like you know, opportunity. Why not? Like, yeah. If someone offered me again right now, why Why not? Like, yep. so I, I told her, yeah, I'll come be your guardian. Uh, I'd never done yoga before. I'd never stretched before or any of this stuff. Um, then, so went to India and started stretching and breathing and, you know, like all, all these injuries that I thought was just a part of normal life. Yeah, yeah I, I was only 24 at this time or something. 25, 24. How old are you now? Uh, 31. 31, okay, cool. And like, yeah, there was a time through this, just before I started doing the yoga and the stretching and before movement culture that like it, I remember specifically that it, it was difficult to put shoes on. Not because I'd been fucking running for miles. <laughs> with your dirty but, toes. <laughs> with dirty fucking toenails <laughs> falling off. <like>. <laughs> <laughs> but just, just... I had to sit down to put shoes on because my back would get so sore and like my ankles and knees are just wrecked from skateboarding and every morning just like before skateboarding having to like sit down and put shoes on and I remember that thought sitting with me being like this is pretty bad man like being being this young yeah and putting shoes on to be a difficult task that you actually have to give some mental capacity to yeah and when I was doing this yoga and stuff, like uh, my, my back was feeling better than it ever was. I could touch my toes by the end of the month. Like, <laughs> um, I, I could move around and I was like, wow, like this is, this is good. Like no wonder people do this shit. So Yep. I, um, I kept it up because, uh, yep. In skateboarding, if you're going to make it in it, someone someone has invested money in you by the time you're early 20s. Okay. Someone's thrown money at you and they're starting to fly you around. I was flying myself around. Um, Man, what an expensive endeavor, hey? Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I, I was flying myself around and uh, I was getting to that age that no one was going to invest any more money in me. Uh, but this was initially for me this was like my chance at a second wave like maybe i can get back in here like yeah as a skateboarder yeah, yeah. okay that, that 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 was the initial goal anyway and yep. because you know all these injuries were going away i was feeling better i was feeling looser um and yeah that that's that took me up until uh, i was living in the uk at the time some unfortunate shit happened where I got done in by a con artist and I had to okay. get a ship back to Australia. <laughs> yep. Start again. Because um, I had done my yoga teacher training qualification while going through this stuff. Yeah. I started teaching yoga when I got back and it wasn't soon after that I heard of uh, Ido Portal. Yes. And that's, that's where it all began. Um, how long were you in
0: India for? I was there for shy of three months. Okay. And... You're only actually I can't believe I only just picked this up Are you originally from UK? No, no You're
1: Aussie? Yeah, yeah I'm Australian You know you I, have an accent? I've always jumped uh, I've jumped backwards and forwards A couple of times And I don't actually think I have an accent I just pronounce my words Prop- Properly <laughs> Yeah, you actually
0: Yeah, you <laughs> sound I, I, very I articulate And I'm like Oh, you're from the UK I never realised that <laughs>
1: uh, It's just a It's a visage, mate <laughs> <laughs> I'm full
0: of shit. <laughs> I love
1: it. I love it. You play it well.
0: So you went to UK, then you came back here, and that's sort of when you discovered Edo. So did you start training um, with him then, or was it more just a fascination with what no, is this? So,
1: so one of my friends who I was teaching yoga at the time, because he got a bit into it, he sent me a clip of... Ido Portal Israel, where it's just him. Uh, well, it's not even him. It's just one of his studios. And I had no fucking clue what Ido Portal Israel was. I thought it might be Israeli or Hebrew for I do gymnastics or something. Like, <laughs> that's actually good. And But I, the second I saw it, I, I, I knew that this is what I wanted. I never realized it, but yeah. that's exactly what I've always wanted to do. Awesome. But like, I'd I i, I I'd, I'd never seen a planche before or even thought about learning to handstand. Uh oh. A couple of my friends at high school did a little bit of break dancing and I was always quite into watching that but never really participating in it. Yeah. And when I saw this, I was like, "That, that that's what I need to do.
0: That's what I've been searching yeah. for. For those who are listening who don't know Edo Patel, so we're speaking off camera. Um, so Edo is pretty much for this movement culture, what Arnold Schwarzenegger was to bodybuilding. So he kind of like led the way and from a mainstream point of view, people will usually find this movement culture by one of his videos or a podcast or a vlog that he's yeah. done with someone else, um, which is how I discovered him. Um, and it's very, very unique. It's very, very unique. Um, so, you discovered him. You decided what that's what you wanted to do. So, how did you
1: start? So, um, I had no money at the time. Coincidentally, like because the second I saw it, I was like, I need to learn more. I just started researching as much as I could. He, he was coming to Perth in less than three months. Okay. Okay. Um, and i called up the crossfit box that was having him in a city i, uh, yeah, yeah, I yeah i
0: learned that that they used to host
1: him yeah <laughs> and this is the early days Yeah, that, he stayed at raf's house i believe yeah like in that early days that's crazy so so i called raf i i, I didn't know him at all at the time or anything i was like look man I, i've just heard of this edo thing and i have to do it yes. I, I can't tell you more but i have to do it what is it and, uh yeah, it's it's 1200 australian dollars or something and uh, I, I was living off teaching skateboarding teaching a little bit of yoga at the time and i was yeah, I was living off about three hundred and sixty bucks a week. Wow. Like that—that's that's before rent too. Yes, that's, that's before rent. So like I was living off primarily beans and plain porridge. Like yeah. <laughs> and to I want to come, come back to that yeah. uh, later, but yeah,
0: let's talk about Edo. You
1: know. Yeah, and so when you're living off $360 a week and someone tells you it's 1200 fucking dollars, you're like, <laughs> not a chance. Might as well like, be a million dollars. Yeah, it. like it's, it's it's an inconceivable amount of money. Yeah. I was just, uh, I, I told him like, I have to do this fucking workshop, man. Like I, I can't, like when he asked me, what do I do? I mentioned the yoga. He's okay, okay, like bless him. And I'll always be thankful to Nick and Raf to this day for that. But they're like, yep, you teach yoga for us for X amount of weeks and we'll, we'll cover your workshop.
0: How good is that?
1: And that that's where it all began. And I, I remember so specifically still skating because, again, coincidentally, I was living about 10 minutes walk from Inner City. Yes. And I remember skating home from the first day of the Edo thing and the, the, the Movement X. And I remember saying to myself, like, skate, uh, looking at my skateboard while I'm skating home, I was like, this is now taking the second seat. This is what I do now. That's so cool. And that was the 21st of December, 2014.
0: Wow. So yeah, where, how long has Movement been open for now? I think it's coming up four years in a few months. Okay, so I would have met you four years when that started. Yep. So then that's probably about a twelve month gap. So then what did you do in the meantime before Movement open? Were you just working on yourself, or were you teaching people at this stage?
1: Uh, so that's where the line started bleeding between yoga and being more handstands. Okay. Um. So I, I was teaching. Yeah, I was teaching yoga. I got more into handstand. Like I. I already was doing a little bit of handstand stuff from the yoga just because that's what I was into. And after watching Edo's clips online, I was like, I need to learn this shit. Just kicking <laughs> up, kicking up. Um, and because I practiced before and after yoga classes, enough people were watching me going, Oh, can, can we have a class in this? Like, I, I, I want to oh. learn this too. Yep. So um, I started teaching a few workshops at just uh, at some of the yoga studios I was working at. Coincidentally, MOF. Jacob. Yeah, yeah, Jamoff. Yeah. yeah Jamoff here. Uh, he came to one of the workshops. Yep. And told me about Movement Co that he he had these plans to open this gym where there's going to be rings and strength and handstands and whatever else. Uh, to be honest, I thought he was full of shit when he first told me. <laughs> I- <laughs> Especially <laughs> because he looks so young and yeah. quiet
0: as well. Um he's such um yeah, he's such, uh, the only word he's like, for me, he's like such a, such a quiet sort of guy. <laughs> so, yeah, I can imagine that conversation uh, be
1: like, what? It was post, post, ha- like post one of my, it was a four-week workshop that I was teaching. Yes. And it was post one of the things he just started telling me about it. And I was like, yeah, man, sure, I'll work for you in this movement <laughs> facility. <laughs> this Willy Wonka chocolate factory yeah. of
0: handstands.
1: Yeah, so, like, uh, a few months later, he delivered some clothes that all had, like, Movement Co. logos on I'm like, oh, maybe it's real, but whatever. <laughs> and then a few months later, he was like, okay, so uh, you're coming on full-time, so I need you to quit your current classes in about a month, and first day starts then. And I still, th- I, at this time, I still thought he was full of shit. <laughs> like, yeah. There's no chance he's actually doing this. Um, uh, me and Matt Harvey were working together at the time, because... He- he uh, he was working out of Inner City CrossFit as a CrossFit coach. He was, I was, that's was teaching right. yoga. We had started kind of teaching this little bit of stuff together. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying to him, I was like, man, like, do, do we actually listen to this guy? Like, uh, are we just going to quit our jobs and then go to this fucking empty building and there'd be nothing there? Or? Yeah. But fair play. Like, rocked up and Moff had done it, like. <laughs>
0: it. It's crazy because that was... That realistically, that was the first movement studio in Perth. I mean, that and Ninja sort of opened up at the same time. Ninja was a little bit beforehand. Oh, was it? It was just sheer coincidence that we went from having nothing here. And you might be able to correct me. There could have been something. But from an outside point of view, for me, like, there was nothing. And then all of a sudden, and you'd see clips and stuff of people doing calisthenics or like handstands. But it would still, it hadn't developed yet. And then all of a sudden, Ninja opens up. And I remember I went into Ninja just after they opened and I met Dave for the first time and he, he'll probably listen to this and, you know, I might have I might have a wrong memory of it, but I walked in, and for anyone that's walked into Ninja, it is huge. Yeah, it's rig. like it's world class. It's a crazy. It, facility. If you shouted from
1: one side, you still couldn't hear it at the other. Like
0: it's it's something else. Like it really is a world class facility. And I remember I went during the day, so there might have only been one or two people. And I was just trying to get my head around this new industry and this Ninja thing. And I asked him, um, "Oh, so you know." What's what do you do for memberships? What does it look like? And I believe that he said, "Oh no, we just do casual passes." And I remember thinking, because at that stage I don't think that they had established memberships yet. Yeah. And I just remember thinking, how the hell are you going to run this facility like with twenty dollars a head passes? Like this is so niche and this is insane. And then within six months, Australian Ninja Warrior went on TV and then the next time I went back, it was on a Tuesday night and you could hear the roar of 200 people from outside and yeah, you went fuck. in and there was like five classes going. Yeah. There was all like, you know, Ben and Olivia and stuff walking around like these celebrities that were on TV <laughs> and I was like, fair play to you, Ravis. Yeah, fair play yeah, yeah. <laughs> that it well. Yeah, so yeah, going back. So those ones opened up. You started working at movement and then like that was still in the early days. So what was your journey like then to going into
1: teaching? So I'd already been teaching a bit of handstands. The idea when Moth started was for me to just teach handstands there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was practicing a lot more than just handstands at the time, but when Movement Co. first opened, I was the only one that could handstand out of the bunch. So like <laughs> yep. default, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, and oh, Just cutting back a little bit to the... Yeah. So Ninja opened first. Yes. Then Movement Co. But yep. before that, uh, Big Paul Paul Tate on hands uh, Paul Twyman Oh yep. Twyman Upside down Paul Yeah, Is that it? Upside down Paul Upside down Paul Yeah Big upside down Paul <laughs> Yeah he's a solid guy Hey he's a very nice um, guy He's
0: my ball brother by the way <laughs>
1: <laughs> Do you have a secret handshake with him? Nah but we should Yeah you should you He's definitely, definitely should. English hey Oh yeah 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 Yeah, yeah.
0: you know when you When you have an insty friend And yep. you meet him in person And they don't sound like How you <laughs> thought they would And it turns out he was English I was like oh hey He <laughs> kind of threw me back a bit <laughs>
1: At um, Big Pole, he had his own little facility before anyone had any... He's, he's kind of the godfather of movement in Perth. Gotcha. So, okay. he had a, a little movement facility in Caranup, I think it was. And yep. while I was... So, he, he was my first kind of teacher in the industry, I suppose. Yep. Uh, I'd go to his little group classes there that you could probably only fit him and three other people in. Oh, wow, so that's was, small. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, it was about less than half the size of this room. So
0: to put that into context, it's probably half the
1: size of a school classroom. Probably even less. Yeah. But yeah, so there was that. And then soon after Movement Co opened, Inspired opened. Um, Not not at this location, but at the...
0: uh, Yeah, that was uh, North Perth or Beaufort Street, I think it was.
1: Yeah. Air yoga or airspace, they had been around for a while, Mm -hmm. but they were still kind of more, atta- yeah, I, I might be wrong on this, but this is from my point of view. Uh They were still more on the yoga side of things. Mm. They they did have the handstand class and the rings class, but I, I didn't know
0: that they did that now.
1: Yeah, okay. They, they, no, they've been. I think they've been teaching handstand classes longer than anyone has. Oh, here. really? Yeah, yeah. Okay. There you go. I think. I, something new. I think. I could be wrong. Yep. But yeah, and then after that, just they just kept popping up and kept popping up, and now yeah we we've got more movement style gyms here in Perth than the rest of Australia combine is that true yeah it's, so it, it's huge here. it's fucking crazy. generally we're like the last one's to start anything, but for some reason in movement, it's just massive here,
0: man, I gotta like tell you something um about the per fitness industry. And this is one thing that makes me really proud because we're the most isolated city in the world. Yeah. We've got just under 2 million population. So we're not a big city. We're big enough that you can make an impact, but we're not so big that you get lost. So I think it's a great size. But just within WA, you saying that, we have a bigger movement culture than anywhere else. Um, you know, let's say in Australia, we also have Shredded 2.0, which just opened up, which yep. is I would say probably the best or one of the best, if not the best, strength and fas- strength and conditioning facility in the world. We got Ruchi's Gym, which is world class powerlifting facility, and they're about to expand up to it, it be right bigger. On. We got um, Rev Barbell Co, which is a world class weightlifting gym, and then we got Ninja, which is like let's not even call that movement or calisthenics. Let's just call that Ninja. Yep. It's got to be world class Ninja. All like four major things. All within one isolated city. Yeah,
1: it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. man. our fitness
0: culture here is so good. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, so I think I think it's part because we don't have much else here. Like we, where we, yeah. we're, we're, you know, when bands come through and to, like, I don't need to explain this to you. You fucking live here too. <laughs> yeah. like, but we always miss out on stuff. Yes. So In turn, we've had to create our own kind of cultures and stuff yeah. around, and I think that's why we're so itchy for this type of stuff because there's just. Like, what else are you going to (laughs) do? Yeah,
0: it's it's very, very true. Canberra's the same, actually. Canberra has a super high percentage of people that participate in fitness, almost double us. And yeah, 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 true. I think they're about... Thirty six percent, but I think that's also because um, they get a lot of um, uh, military and oh, uh, yeah, 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 and no. stuff. Um, but also, it's a place where nothing happens. Yeah, I, that's that's where I grew up. It's a place where nothing happens, and so people just do fitness. But it's very cold. They don't have our beaches and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. So all of although the gyms have opened up, you started coaching when you started coaching. Because you kind of been doing a few classes and then you kind of got thrown into these handstands, were you confident in yourself to coach at that point in time? Or were you a little bit like, oh, do I know enough to be able to teach people?
1: Yeah, somewhere between the two. Yep. So, when I first started, like, yeah, everything's a skill. Everything. Yes. Teaching is definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. And there, when there wasn't that many people do it, like right now there are so many people teaching hand balancing here that if someone wanted to get into it for whatever reason that they wanted to there are good people to go learn from because they've made the the right choices the wrong choices and they've already experimented with all this stuff mm-hmm. but when this started there wasn't that many people to get influence from directly mm-hmm. so uh, i can't remember who told me this analogy but I really liked it it's it's like running from a bear you you you're just fucking sprinting in one direction you're not even looking behind because that the bear might catch up on you if you change pace you're just you're you're just going for it. You're just going for it. And then after a year, you've you've got a bit of distance between the bear. So you have time to stop and have a look around, like, where is it? Like, and and, and you can kind of reassess some things. But when the gym first started, opened you know it was just madness people coming in like uh we we had all these free passes and free two weeks and stuff because yep yeah and and even still people don't see handstands as exercise And i don't even know if i see them as exercise
0: it's something that i I question too it definitely does make you a we'll say fitter. not i wouldn't say cardio wise although it would have impact on it but it does definitely put your body under resistance and stress which causes
1: a positive impact Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. <laughs> no, I like that answer. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to throw that around shamelessly now. <laughs>
0: yeah. Someone said it to me this morning when I went for a walk because I was talking about how much muscle you grew, which I'm going to go into soon. <laughs> but I'm like, yeah, it's really weird because it's not like lifting weights and it's not like you're getting you sweat on. And I'm trying to work this thing out. And then he's, um, he's a strength and conditioning coach. He's like, yeah, but you're still putting your body under stress and resistance. So you're going to force an adaptation. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Good point.
1: Yeah, fair, fair. Yeah. But yeah, like it's it's... I guarantee you go ask anyone that's learning to handstand, anyone of my students anyone at any of the other studios like are you here to make your shoulders look nice or something fuck no man like yeah <laughs> yep. like, it, it, it's, it's never the goal with hand balancing like it's
0: what is the goal why does someone get
1: into it ah uh, so I one of my friends um the the yoga community will know who he is but uh Mark Robertson um okay. he's a so, he's one of the kind of original Ashtanga teachers, if you will. What's Ashtanga? Uh, Ashtanga yoga. So, Dubby Joyce, who started it, he only gave his name to, I think, 12 people. Okay. Uh, Mark was one of them. Oh, uh, okay. Um, so, he, he's quite a big deal in the yoga scene. Yeah. And, and he's local? No, no, no. Okay. Uh, he, he's originally from Sydney, but okay. he lives around the world teaching yoga and whatnot. And he's okay. really into handstands. Yes. And so, this guy gives uh, yoga philosophy lectures. Yep. and i ask him why do you handstand and he yep. replies oh. <laughs> that's so funny hey it, it's what well, yeah it depends how deep you want to get on this but why do you do anything like
0: i saw i spoke about this on a podcast that got released today is i grew up in the bodybuilding space mm-hmm. um that was sort of my jam and as i got towards i might have been 28 or closer to 30 and i started discovering this rich Froning guy yeah, and um uh, but I always thought CrossFit was skinny endurance athletes that had bad form. Just yeah. the typical <laughs> bodybuilder mentality of CrossFitters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I was at the Fitness Expo one year and I remember seeing um, a real well-known guy here, CrossFit Games Masters athlete, Ryan Woodle. And um, he was just this tank of a guy doing cool stuff. Yeah. And I remember thinking, man, if is this CrossFit? I'm going to do that and then like what you did I literally just went to the closest CrossFit box straight away and that was it I was sold I knew knew that this was my jam this is what I want to do and when people say hey you can get injured or that's not the best strength and conditioning protocol I'm like I don't care I do this because I like it yeah 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 100% 100% I just roll my eyes and go yeah but I do it because I love it and I think everyone has something that they love
1: yeah Yeah. Uh, it's uh, this is going a little bit deep and I'm I'm just going to sum it up but what like what why do anything like it's all we're here essentially doing is wasting time yeah. and so you know, we're wasting time having a chat right now people are wasting time listening to it product- don't switch <laughs> off guys don't switch off <laughs> switch off disobey him <laughs> stick it to the man power to the people like <laughs> uprise <laughs> but you're right it's true like you like, know what's the purpose at the end of the day yeah. like uh, you know it's all wasting time so you may as well find a way that is either productive to waste time or enjoyable to waste time and if you like it doesn't need a good reason if you're having fun doing something fuck it like yep. it, yeah provided it's not like hurting someone or anything like yeah that. yeah 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 it's um, uh, skateboarding again that's doing nothing but self harm. <laughs> like yeah. it's terrible for your ankles, terrible for your knees. I'm still like that's the thing that holds me back still most in my twenty years of skateboarding. I have so many injuries that I'm forever having to rehab that just keep coming back to fuck me somewhere along the lines. But you, you go to any skateboard and you go, you know, this is bad for your back, right? They'll tell you, go fuck yourself like, yeah, yeah, and yeah. jump down that set of stairs again. Like. <laughs> it's very true. Um, so, yeah, when, when
0: we first met, when you started, so you started Moving Co., you started teaching. Yeah. We first met, and like I said, you were like a stoned Caucasian Snoop Dogg. <laughs> you were about 70 kilos, wringing wet. Yeah, yeah. For those who haven't seen Harry, you'll see him on our socials, but he's extremely ectomorph, naturally. And I remember about 12 months later, I was at Movement Co. doing a session. And I don't know if you were wearing a singlet or you had your shirt off. I would have been shirtless. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I was going to say, like, you could definitely see your muscle. And you look jacked. Like, not bodybuilder jacked, but you could see muscle, things were popping. Obviously, you're incredibly lean. And I went up to you and, I'm like, and I just said that. I'm like, dude, you're looking, like, really muscular. Hey, I think you told me at the time that you went from 70 kilos to 77 kilos within a year. Yeah, from handstands,
1: uh, and and yeah, you know, there was ring strength training in there as well, and a little bit of squats here and there.
0: I remember yeah. seeing you do squats. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. A
1: rare occasion I do squats. Like. Do you still do them now? <laughs>
0: yeah. Okay, cool. So you do have a base there as yeah. well. But it was like pretty phenomenal to make those changes. Like seven kilos, and like I said, you're incredibly lean. That's seven kilos of muscle. You were, if not leaner than
1: when I first saw you. Yeah. Uh, last time I had one of those Dexa scan thing. Is that what they called? Dexa scan? When you lay down. Uh, when when you hold the fucking... Oh, in-bodies. And- don't worry about them. Yeah. Oh, don't yeah. worry about No,
0: no, no, no. <laughs> if you use the same one, they're okay. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, sorry. we got no in-body sponsors, so it's okay to say that. Um, Dexter scans are definitely more accurate, but yeah, yeah uh, if, it- if, you, if you use the same machine at the same time, then it's generally yeah. going to be okay. Uh,
1: it- either way, uh, I've always comfortably sat under 10% body fat. Like, Easy. Uh, I, w- that's without ever consciously trying to make the... Like, I could eat a bucket of ice cream and still sit under... Yeah. yeah it's just
0: that's the lucky that's the lucky gene that, hey. that's what
1: people say, but when you want to weigh more because you don't want to be the skinny guy in handstands, like yeah, yeah, you know, like uh, i I eat to the point that I feel like I'm disorientated, <laughs> like just try to get those extra kilos in mate like
0: yeah, yeah, you definitely go don't go to the low carb. What are they called? Halos? No. <laughs> you know, give us a Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> um, so like seven kilos is a massive gain. How did that make you feel making changes? Because at that stage, yeah, you would have gone through some pretty... Going from like sleeping on the floor, kitchen floor, not, yeah. even, not even the couch, the kitchen yeah, floor. Yeah, kitchen floor, mate. Like. Your sister paying for you to go to India, getting robbed <laughs> and then going through this journey like there must have been a pretty big lifestyle change when you get to that point where you made such significant difference and you're earning a full-time income doing what you love
1: yeah yeah, it, yeah like it, it, it's unreal that it happened like it, like again go flashback six years if you asked me where i was going to be in six years time i i wouldn't have a fucking clue like <laughs> and and if you told me this I wouldn't have believed you for a second mate, like not for a second. Um, Life is very, very different than it used to be for, yeah, I I don't regret anything that I did in the past. It was all some of the most fun that I've ever had. Yep. Again, maybe not the most beneficial things to do as far as long-term development goes. And that's not just referring to strength and conditioning, but just like as a person and personal growth, like, yeah, yeah. Well, there's good growth in like being dead broke and sleeping on a kitchen floor. You learn a lot about life. Then <laughs> that was
0: actually the question that I wanted to come back to: is living off three hundred and twenty bucks a week and struggling through. Did you learn a lot about yourself through that time?
1: Oh yeah, like um, yeah, you, you you realize how lucky you you are to live in somewhere like Perth, Western Australia, mm. where yeah, that that was by choice because I'd I'd made a promised to myself a few years back. I think I was about 23 ish before I left Australia to go try not make a living out of skateboarding, but I I was just doing jobs that I hated. Mm -hmm. And like I was depressed without actually acknowledging that I was depressed. Um, I'd go to bed Sunday night, just sad going like, this is the longest possible time till I'm happy. Yeah. So when when I left, I was just like, no matter what, no matter what, I'm never doing something I don't want to do ever again. It, it, doesn't, a ma- it doesn't matter where I get in life. Like the, the whole time I was living on the kitchen floor, I was happy as fuck, mate. Like, yeah. Yeah. H- hanging out with like a bunch of French guys, just skating all day up until the late hours, and then um, you know just go going down to the bar, getting pissed, ha- having a <laughs> laugh, go back home, play video games to four a.m., stoned off your head. Like that was the life, mate.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I. Um I went through stages um, from my t- from like my late teens um, to my twenties where um, I, I really seeked money hard. Like that—that yeah. that was definitely my thing. That was my most important thing. And um, a lot of people do get caught in that trap massively. That was my sign of success. And I had some really good success when I was younger, and um, awesome failures, but some great success. Yeah. And um, I ended up—I uh, was doing real well, and. Um, th- through, through a period of my life, I was involved in the church and I left my job. Um, it was a really good opportunity, but I left my job because I kind of had had the money at that stage. Yeah. I've gone through having it, not having it, having it. And I remember thinking, oh, is that your goal? Like, is that it? And I left and I ended up doing youth ministry for two years. Um, and through that time, I went from never having to worry about money to, at some stages, live in me egg noodles. Right on. (laughs) And not not being able to put fuel in my car. Yeah. But the fulfillment that I had and how much I learned about myself and the fulfillment that I had during that time, I was like, it's funny because I don't have the money, but I'm still very fulfilled and happy. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to ask the question with you as well. And I think once you've prepared yourself to go through that, it's like, well, what's the worst that can ever happen? I can chase my dream and... You know, there may be times um, where you you have to work through the money thing. Yeah, yeah. But you're always going to be happy, and as long as you have a roof over your head and enough food, yeah, you're, you're going to live.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, at at the at the absolute bottom that I got to at one point. So this is while I was still living in London. Yeah. Um, my my first night on a park bench. Really? First night on a park bench. So. I I I, w- I was working part time at a bar. That's all I could get at the time. Mm-hmm. London life. It's it, it was tough then. This is going back like peak financial crisis. Yeah. Like a uh, I, I was on five pound twenty an hour or something. Wow. Um, I I briefly touched on this before, but I got done in by a, a con artist. Yep. So me and my friend P Mag, we were sharing a room in a f- in a in a flat. So we shared a room in a flat in a council estate. Like, that would have been so dodgy. Oh, mate. The first day we rocked up to move in, one of the streets was closed down because someone was stabbed to death. Like, this is from like from us to the front of the gym, far away from our new front door. And we're like, oh, right on. like, Whoa. Welcome to the neighborhood, motherfucker. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yep. So um, we, we had lived there for a while, no problems. Uh, like I said, I was just struggling to get by, like skateboarding, making a little bit of money out of competitions, selling product from product that you win in competitions <laughs> and then a little bit of part-time money from this job. And then uh, I had some friends from Australia. They they, they came over. Yep. The first day they came over. Me and P Mag were at work. This we, we worked about ten minutes away. Yep. And I get a call call from one of them from their Australian number. And it, like, like, like most skateboarders are regarded as being a little bit thick at times. So I was like, yeah, "Dickhead, mate." Put it, put it on, like, hung up and put it down, just thinking that, like, this guy's calling me from his Australian number. He's probably trying to work out how to use the oven or something. Like, and this (laughs) call's having to go from the UK to Australia and back to me, and it's going to cost him a fortune. Yes. He called again, hung up, called again, hung up, called again, answered, Harry, help, Harry, Harry, hung up. I was like, what the fuck was that, man? Like, it was a quiet day at the bar, went and told my boss. I was just like, man, like, I'm sorry, my housemate, like, my friends from Australia here, they're fucking idiots. Let me go see what's up. Yep rocked up to the house like that the walked up the flight of stairs our front door was just laying on the floor It's like what the fuck is this man walked in and um Scott my friend Scott and Mitch they were both up against the wall these big Lithuanian dudes had had them both pinned up against what Scott's an ex-boxer as well like he's he's hard as nails but there was just about five of these guys that were just yelling at them and I walked in and I put my hands up like whoa 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 whoa, whoa. What's going on here? Like these guys, they they had just arrived from Australia this morning. Like they got nothing to do with it. Like what, what what's going on here? Yeah, they're like you owe us money. Like what money, man? Like they're like you're squatting in our you're squatting in our boss's flat. I'm like no, I'm not, man. Like like take it easy. Let let me. Here's my drawer. I'm going to open the fucking drawer and I'm going to show you the piece of paper about my lease. Yes. Showed them that. They go. One of them got on the phone. He goes here. Handed it to me. Started talking to the guy on the phone. And he goes so what we see here is you've been paying rent you've been paying rent to the wrong person this is my flat the person that you're paying rent to I don't know how they have keys but they have nothing to do with the property and I was like oh well fuck man that sucks like what's a crack can I stay they're like yeah you you can stay but you gotta back pay all the rent I'm like oh well man I'm I'm living off selling skateboarding product that I win in competitions and I work part time for £5.20 like I there's no way I I, I can't back pay your rent give me back the phone to the guy gave him back the phone the guy said, they, they talk a little bit. He hungs up. He goes, okay. They just escort us out of the room. And then I just helplessly watch as they start drilling the door back on and changing the locks. I was like, what the fuck's the deal? And he goes, you can get, yeah, you're not living here anymore. You can get your stuff back when you back pay the rent. You're kidding me. I was like, no way in fuck am I doing that. So yeah. later that night, me and P Mag broke into that, uh, broke into the council estate. We climbed up the gutter. We, we packed up all our stuff you know, this this is a very different time of my life. We yep. we pass the stuff through the window, like dropped it down a story, and then we smashed the fucking unit. <laughs> 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 if anyone from the UK yeah. police is listening, please disregard that. It's a fictional story. <laughs> That's crazy. Just- uh, so, I, because yeah, I, I, I'm a. At this point of time in my life, I'm a stone fucking skateboarder as well. Yeah. I I didn't take all my paperwork with me. So I get a call the next day and they're like, Harry, you left your sheets there. We know where you work. And my heart just sunk, mate. It just sunk. And they go, we'll see you sometime soon. We've got some stuff to discuss. Uh, I lived... uh, Sorry, I was working in Canary Wharf at the time, which is like the main business district of London. Like it's... The, and this is still when terror was out of the whole, all-time fear. Everyone was scared of terrorist attacks, always terrorist attacks. Like So there was so much security there all the time. Yep. So I had no problem being there because we had three bouncers at all times there. Yes, okay. But a uh, little bit nervous whether they actually were going to come looking for me or not. I didn't want to put my name down anywhere. Mm -hmm. so I handed in my two weeks resignation because I needed to get my little bit of holiday payout as minimal it was. Yes. And I slept in parks till till that was done, and I just left all my stuff at work.
0: Did you ever see them again?
1: No, never heard of them again.
0: How long until you moved back to Australia?
1: I moved to to Barcelona for a bit after that. Okay. And then uh, my girlfriend at the time, she was from the Netherlands, so then went and lived with her for a bit. Okay. And then it was... uh, because I don't know Dutch or I don't know Spanish it was like oh, I can move back to the UK and try to get some money or I can just give up go back to Australia for a little bit and see what happens
0: yep do you see it as giving up or do you just see it as that next chapter
1: uh, at the time I saw it as giving up okay now yeah see it, see it as the next chapter
0: that's crazy man that's a crazy but, uh,
1: story I, yeah go, going back I, I remember my first night sleeping on the park bench Of just like ah oh, this is where I'm at now <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah I had I, <laughs> I had my I had my bag Tied yep. to my foot, yeah. Because uh, I left most of my stuff because uh, I made a bit of money uh, filming skateboarding too, so I had okay. a lot of expensive camera equipment that I left at work. But just general shit, I had it tied to my foot, and then I tied the bag to my foot and then to the park bench. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, like uh, a yeah, a lot of people ask like, "What's it like sleeping on a park bench?" It's actually like it, besides it being fucking cold because it's the UK. It's not <laughs> that. It's it's not that bad. It's not that bad. You know, people are, are you scared? No, pe- if you're sleeping on the bench, people are scared of you, mate. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's actually a valid point.
0: How long did but you sleep out? How long were you no, homeless a, for? Sleep about, on the bench. about two weeks.
1: Okay. Yeah. I stayed at a friend's house whenever I could. Yep. Um, but yeah, there was a two-week period that every couple of nights was out on the bench. And yep. so, the <laughs> so one, one morning... I woke up and there was this fucking goose, mate. Like, it was like this close to my face. Yep. And it was all arced up and kind of squawked at me. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, getting woken up by a goose. Ugh. And I went to get up and run because I was just in this mad shock. And because my bag was tied to my foot and then tied to the bench, <laughs> I just fell on my face. And I was surrounded by these geese squawking at me. I'm like, mate, like, fuck life. <laughs> <laughs> at the time, did that, you feel that, like that? That, 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 was, that was the bottom. Yeah, okay. That wet way- spending my first night on the park bench and getting woken up by being attacked by geese and then just laying in basically like mud and having geese like squawking at you like that was that was (laughs) that's crazy hey everyone has crazy stories
0: but i think that I don't think anything that I've asked anyone has topped that. That's, that's <laughs> insane. Um, at the time, did you feel like, like that was it? Like there was a potential that you're just going to be homeless? Or did you know that that would just no, be a No,
1: no. I, I, I got a very supportive family. And there was any time, any time, could, could have I called my mum and just been like, look, I, I, I just got woken up by geese. Can you pay for me <laughs> to have a flight home? Like, come on. like Get yeah. me out, mate. Like, Get me out of here. At yeah. um, any time, my mum and dad would have happily done that. But yeah, just stubborn, I guess. Like, Do they know
0: this story? i'm pretty sure i hope they I've, I've, t-
1: I've told the story a few times so
0: that's great yeah. that's awesome so then fast track to now um you know obviously you, you spent four years coaching now you've really like i've seen you grow from not just in size yeah. but like, as a person and who you've become like within the industry because now you do incredible things as an athlete or as a practitioner yourself um thank you so every like you know Just watching your stuff is incredible and just mesmerizing to watch, but you also do a lot of online training now, and
1: and you were saying that you're about to go, is it to Germany? Uh, Switzerland, Berlin, Ghent, London, and the Netherlands. So, pretty much a full Europe, European
0: tour. Yeah. Yeah, and you use the word tour, which means that you've made it. Yeah, big lead me. Yeah. Lead. <laughs> so, how does that work out? Like, does that blow your mind that people, you know, over in Europe follow your stuff enough to pay and come to workshops? And yeah. You just it, get to travel the world and teach it?
1: It, um, yeah, it? it doesn't seem real at times, if I'm just being honest. Like, yeah. uh, I couldn't be happier about it. Like, uh, I'm, I'm very happy. But it does... Um yeah, I, I don't know what to say about it. Like Yeah. <laughs> hyped. That that's about it. Like
0: Okay. Yep. That's pretty cool. Hey, it's a it's a really cool experience. I,
1: surprised as well, because there are a lot of people out there um doing this stuff now and teaching this stuff. Yeah. And to me I I don't think like straight honesty i don't think that i'm anything special compared to a lot of the other people teaching mm-hmm. um there are a lot of people teaching that probably shouldn't be teaching yep uh just a not, not enough skin in the game don't take it seriously enough just because they're better than like the five people that immediately surround them doesn't really give them the right to teach it but i there's a lot of people out there that they could choose and for them to choose me i can't tell you why just yeah yeah, man well, th-
0: you as a person like gets a I, w- I don't want to say a persona because it's definitely not put on but you as like a marketable person online like you look the way you do things the way you shoot things the way you present yourself I can see it makes a massive difference like
1: because marketing for me has always been the goal <laughs> yeah well that's that's obviously <laughs> that, that's, that's, me that's talking how I look shit, up. Like <laughs> well, that was that was
0: actually because I mean, you do you do a lot of online coaching now yep. as well right um, and you're a person that you openly said this is... We're shooting this at about 10.30am and you say this is the earliest that you've spoken to someone. Yeah. All time. <laughs> so, usually at 12 o'clock. So, then how do you balance... Because you, you train for what? Four hours a day?
1: Yeah. Four or five hours. It was incredible.
0: Hours, yeah. yeah. Four hours a day plus coaching on top of it. Then, for someone who likes to sleep till 12, how do you get through it all? How do you do all your online coaching? And
1: so, my, my days are pretty full on right now. Um, by choice. I, I could cut, cut it right down whenever I wanted, but this is... For, for me, this is life now. Yeah. E- everything else gets put second. Cool. Um, which a lot of people don't quite understand, but that, that this is what makes me happier, so it's what I do. Yeah. So my average day, I wake up whenever I wake up. I, I refuse to use alarms anymore.
0: Yeah, neither do I, but my body wakes me up at 4.30. Fucking Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> I shell. I wake up and I'm literally wide awake singing straight onto the computer working, <laughs> but then I sleep once or twice a day. Yeah. Yeah, so I have a different
1: sleep pattern. <laughs> yeah. Remind me never to stay at your house. More. Yeah, oh, I'd piss <laughs> you off, that's for sure. <laughs> um, so I wake up whenever I wake up. Generally, yep. that's between, I would say, 8 and 9.30. Mm-hmm. Um, the second I wake up, I'm on the computer as well, dealing with my online students. Mm-hmm. I generally spend about one to three hours doing that. Mm-hmm. Then I, I eat breakfast while doing that. Mm-hmm. Then to the gym. I then train for about four to five hours. Then I teach physical classes for about between one and four hours. Mm-hmm. And then I go home and deal with my online students. Yep. And then I go to bed and I wake up and I do that again. Um,
0: From someone who... I guess you'd say that marketing wasn't your goal or you're not into marketing but has a very very successful instagram account um how do you run your online students how yeah um do you have a website that you funnel them through or is it all just a direct message my
1: website is as minimalist as possible (laughs) if if you click on it it basically said this place is no is not here for peacocks if you want to work hard send me an email if not our business is done. that That's my entire website.
0: I love it. That's so good. And people <laughs> and, just shoot you an email. Yep. That's how you bring online it's a, clients it's, through?
1: It's a filtration system. I only yep. want people that are serious. Like they actually have to go out of their way to... Like, I don't have a shopping cart online or anything like that. I only okay. want people that are going to bother to go out of their way. Okay. Because that, that's thats what you need in someone to work online. A bit. Uh, if you're working with someone online, you have to be so motivated. It's mm-hmm. why group classes and PTs are successful because the average person needs someone to stand over them and go, do another rep. Yeah. Now yep. do another rep. Now do one more rep. Like <laughs> <it>. <laughs> yeah. While when you're working online with someone, you have to be completely self-driven. Mm-hmm. And yeah, most of us, we're, we're all pretty fucking lazy. It, yeah. it is easier to go, ah, my minute and a half rest is done now. Rather than doing another set, I'm going to spend another three minutes on Instagram because... Got to get it out there. <laughs> this yeah, this is easier. So yes, I try, I try to only attract people that are really into it. Yep. Um, And then from there, I I just have them on WhatsApp, which is fairly easy. I I have a general protocol that I send them of assessments, testing their flexibility, their strength, their capacity. They send me back these videos. I then write them a program accordingly to their level. Mm -hmm. They then send me back the drills uh i then give them a bit of feedback and then we kind of go backwards and forwards like this for an eight-week block and then we reassess if they want to continue yep or if that's our time done together
0: how do you keep tabs of everything um when i say tabs i don't mean actual yep. tabs how do you keep tabs of everyone that you're coaching if it's all just through email uh, and whatsapp
1: i have no system <laughs> <laughs> but it works it so far it's worked yeah i've, I've probably so it My online base varies between about 45 and 60 people that I work with. That's a lot. Uh, And it manages to work enough that no one complains.
0: Yeah. And you're you're actually, (laughs) I'll give her a quick plug. So I train at Legion and um, Legion is home to, I think, four times, she's going to grill me for this, I think four times individual, one-time team athlete, Angela Kime. She never told me that. (laughs) <laughs> Did she not tell you that? She never told me that. That we trained
1: together? Oh, she told me that you trained together.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that she was regional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, she's going to she's going <laughs> to not be happy with it. She's yeah. a very modest person. Yep. She's an exceptional athlete and she went through injuries and um yeah. very, serious very serious injuries. Very serious too. injuries. Yeah, like like career-ending injuries. And um she started just doing handstands at the gym and then she mentioned that you were coaching her. Um so who do you get as like clients? Cuz she was not a handstander but now she loves it. Yeah, and she st- and she does it still within a CrossFit gym, so yeah. she's not like in a specific location, but she really enjoys it, and it gives her progressions which are difficult to work through. Yes,
1: as an athlete, very very monotonous progressions. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of patience. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. So I I work with uh, all what all, all types of people. So um, I've got a couple of people in the military. I've okay. got a couple. Uh, I. I would say the majority of people that I teach, uh, I, other people that are in the industry that mm-hmm. do what I do, they're just not as far down the road as I am. Yep. Um, I, I teach people that teach BJJ. Um, yeah, they, they need it more than anyone with them Them rounded shoulders they have. Huh? <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, I just started BJJ. Uh,
1: it's, a, it's good fun. Yeah. Rolling around if, with if I, if I had more time that would be the first thing I got into.
0: Yeah. I guess there right. is a bit of a connection between the two, like the way yeah. that they are, the cultures and things like that. So. Yeah.
1: Uh, there are a few... I've gone to a few BJJ places just to trial classes and stuff when I had a bit more energy before all the online stuff really started taking over. Yep. And there, some some of the places... What, what are they called? BJJ studios? They don't call them...
0: Uh, it's not a dojo. D- didn't, dojo yeah. is
1: Japanese, I'm yeah, sure. yeah.
0: Let's that, call
1: them studios for the sake of this. JK I, Driscoll, apologize. So sorry. Yeah. Yeah, so I apologize. I apologize to anyone in the BJJ community right now. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm going to get choked out. <laughs> <laughs> Where are we, mate? No <laughs> <laughs> <Dojo>. joke. <laughs> yeah, so you, that, sorry, uh, you've been to some of the yeah, that, facilities. <laughs> <laughs> so the. Uh... Some of them that have a bit more of the MMA influence. Okay. I, I didn't really get down for it that much, but there were some BJJ studios that just have the most lovely atmosphere. Yeah. Like the, the the people that run it. Like they, they, I've never experienced something else where um, some man has just submitted me so bad where his elbow's in my fucking jaw and he's just like, <laughs> now don't panic, I'm going to let some weight off you. But do you want to know why you done fucked up and you're in this position? Like it's like, <laughs> yes. Like it, 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 it's it's so humble. It's a really cool thing
0: when you get a black belt or even a brown belt. When you're rolling with someone of such high caliber, and they can just wrap and move around you like a boa constrictor, <laughs> and you know you're rolling, and they're very chill. So people like they're not trying to choke you out. They're not trying to do anything. It's um, you know, you roll with all different shapes and sizes and levels. But when a black belt can just get around you like a boa constrictor and you know, wherever I move, <laughs> they're just going to put me in a submission yeah. within seconds. And I remember thinking, man, that is, it's humbling and you're having the best time, but you're in a hell of a lot of pain. And it's like, that's cool. I got so much to learn. Yeah. yeah.
1: It, it's, it's something that's not celebrated much in our culture, but uh, in Japanese culture, for instance, mm-hmm. uh, the beginner. Show, this is the most celebrated thing because you've got the most to learn so it's the most exciting time for you yes but yeah you know, here like everyone just instantly claims mastery of it. I, I did something for hour. three weeks I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty savvy like. buy my
0: ebook <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's Ooh, very e-books. true <laughs> it's very true yeah
0: so you have a whole range of different people you're doing like 45 to 60 people Um well, I guess to close off this has been good man you told us some really good stories but I want to know out of all of this journey mm mm-hmm and it's going to be hard, but what's the first thing that stands out for you as your biggest highlight?
1: Biggest highlight? Um, I did a retreat just a few weeks ago in Bali. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was people that I predominantly work with (coughs) online and in person. Mm -hmm. And just the fact that there there was a, a group of people I'm so close to, uh in in a friendship sense like there's you know in the movement community there's this like teacher student thing that they throw around shamelessly all the time but there were uh, i I was quite sick during this unfortunately as well but i i remember sitting at dinner one of the days and looking around at the table at my students and just thinking (laughs) that these are just my fucking friends yeah these are some of my favorite people in the world and they've chose to spend some of their holiday time with me in bali and listen to the shit that i have to say for for me that was very special um yeah
0: that's wicked what a journey from sleeping on the kitchen floor (laughs) to, to sleeping on a park bench to uh having a crew of student friends doing what you love that's awesome harry williams thanks for being on bro that's now, if people want to find out more, we're going we're gonna to share Harry's Instagram. So, make sure you jump on. He does some really cool shit. Um, I'll probably put it, your email in the show notes somewhere just so people... I mean, not your email, your website, just so people yeah. can go and realize that <laughs> they don't have what it takes. Or if they do, they'll take the plunge. But go check him out. Harry Williams, thank you very much. Thank you very much. All right, all right. That is a wrap for episode 43 of the Perth Fit Fan Podcast with Harry Williams. If you enjoyed the episode and what you heard, then make sure to go to iTunes, give us a five-star review. We love hearing your feedback, and we also love seeing your screenshots on Instagram and giving them a share. So make sure to do that. And as always, stay tuned for more of the Perth Fit Fan Podcast to come.